Good morning, church. My name, good morning. My name is Nate Harney, and I'm one of the new pastors here at Peace Church. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you are new in the last year, I'm really looking forward to meeting you and getting to know your family. If you have been at Peace for longer than a year, it's good to see you again. It's good to be back. Well, we are continuing in our Organic Disciples series, and this morning our focus is humble service. We've been walking through these various callings, these disciplines that God teaches us in his word that if we pursue them, we will grow as mature followers of Jesus. And I've been learning a lot about humble service in my life, in my home right now. Some of you have asked me, you've seen myself or my wife carrying a, a little bundle, a new baby. That is our baby. Uh, that's our, uh, we have Cohen, who's four. Piper is two now. And our new daughter, Isla, is just a newborn. Uh, some of you have said to me, you know, when you guys left in the fall, I didn't even know that you were pregnant. You know, we didn't know we were pregnant either. So a lot can happen in nine months, but we are just grateful for that blessing in our home. But let me tell you, I'm relearning humble service all over again for the third time. I'm learning it in my home. And having uh, that new baby around reminds me of a conversation I had about four years ago that I have not forgotten. It replays in my mind from time to time. But I was pastoring out in California, and I was trying to build a relationship with this young man. He was a devout Muslim. And so I was having trouble sometimes finding points of connection between us. We lived very different lives. We had different worldviews. But we ended up having our firstborn children at almost exactly the same time. Our wives got pregnant at the same time. They had babies at the same time. I still remember I was going to go see them, and I thought, oh, I have this really cool point of connection that we both have babies in our home. It didn't go exactly as I thought it would. Uh, I remember saying something similar that you've probably said if you've been a new parent, where I just said to him, oh, it's awesome. It's so amazing having a baby. But, whew. It is exhausting, isn't it? And his face wasn't what I was expecting. He looked a little perplexed as he looked at me. I remember what he said. He said, not really. I thought, wow, this is super, super dad right here. I said, do you guys have, oh, do you guys have like a really easy baby? Is, is your baby sleeping through the night? And he, I got the same look. And he said, not really. And I was confused. I think some of the moms here are probably not confused right now. You're starting to catch on what might have happened. But he went on to tell me that while his life hadn't changed almost at all since becoming a parent, his wife was feeling that exhaustion, that her world had gotten rocked, turned upside down with this arrival of the baby in the home. I won't outline where our conversation went from there because it was long. But let me tell you, I walked away from it being reminded that we as followers of Jesus follow a very unique God that I don't think any man would have made up. A God who doesn't just call us to serve and serve humbly, but himself came to earth, came born in the flesh as a baby, and Philippians tells us he came taking on the form of a servant. He came to serve, not to be served, and throughout his life, he humbly served his own creation. That is the God that we worship, and that is the God that we turn around and serve as he served us. Well, if you're sitting there thinking, 
You know, Nate, I don't know if that's the best evangelistic angle to take. You know, uh, come follow Jesus. You'll uh, lose a lot of sleep. You'll learn how to change a diaper. Uh, and you'll learn that uh, even though the Bible gives very clear guidelines of what the different roles are in the home, and it teaches of male leadership in the home, that leadership, according to Scripture, always includes servant leadership, that Jesus calls men to a higher standard, that he wants us to not just lead in our homes but serve in our homes. I don't know if that's the best evangelistic angle, right? But we'll learn by looking at the passage that we're digging into today, that humble service, and specifically the humble service that Jesus lived out and now calls us to live in, is not burdensome, but it brings immense blessing in our lives. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 13. We're looking at the Gospel of John, chapter 13. It's going to be up on the screen as well. So John 13 and specifically, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 17. Now, it will be on the screen as well, so if you want to follow along in that way, feel free to do so. As you're turning there, we're jumping into a story here, so I just want to fill you in on where we're at in the story of the life of Jesus. He is in the final hours of his life, and Jesus is now gathered with his closest disciples to share a meal. This is a meal that we now commonly know as the Last Supper, and if you've made it to John 13, or if you're looking on the screen, you might see that today we're going to dig into the account of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. So I'm going to read the first five verses in John 13. I'd love for you to follow along with me. Here's what it says. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. You pause there with me. Now, if you are new to the church, if you're new to the scriptures, and this is an unfamiliar story to you, this might come off as rather strange. There's a dinner, and Jesus gets up, and he starts washing some feet. Well, let me reassure you, this is a story that did not happen yesterday. This happened during a very different time. Do you know that if I was at a dinner party tonight and the host at one point got up, started crawling under the table and trying to peel off my socks, I'm out of there, right? And I would advise that you would do the same. That's very strange during our time. But back in Jesus and, his, and the disciples' day, they didn't have cars to bring them from point A to point B. They walked. And they didn't have nicely paved roads and sidewalks. They had Dirty, muddy, dusty roads. And they didn't wear the nice uh, shoes and, and boots that we have today. They had sandals. So by the end of the day, from walking all day on these dirty, dusty roads, they had pretty gross feet. And if you were getting ready to go into a house and sit down for a meal, you would definitely want to wash off first. 
Now, you can tell from our story here, there's a basin there, there's a towel. They were prepared for this. This was a, a regular problem they would run into. But what was typical then that didn't happen in our story is that typically there would be a servant there to wash the feet. And not just any servant, but whoever the lowest servant present would be, they would be responsible for this very low act of foot washing. It was not sanitary, it was not fun, it was very low. The Jewish servants of the day often would say, no, I don't do foot washing, that's below me. But Jesus gets up and he washes the disciples' feet. Now, if you're not new to the scriptures and you've heard this story many, many times before, you might be thinking what I might have been thinking if I was sitting listening to this message. Like, yep, got it. Jesus washes the disciples' feet. We know later he's going to tell us to go and do the same. Humble service. Got it. Moving on. But if we don't slow down and humble ourselves and be reminded that every time we go to the scriptures, we can learn more and more and we can grow deeper in discipleship, we might miss some important things. So look back with me, back at verse one, because while verses four and five tell us what Jesus did, and that's pretty straightforward, the first couple of verses tell us why Jesus did what he did. Look at what verse one says. It says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, listen to this, having loved his own, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. We learn that Jesus served his disciples because he loved his disciples. Now, we know Jesus was perfect. He always did the right thing. He never made a mistake. But what the gospel writer tells us here is Jesus didn't just wash the disciples' feet because it was the right thing to do. Because they had dirty feet, no one stepped up, so Jesus stepped up. No, it tells us plainly that Jesus served the disciples because he loved the disciples. Think about who's sitting there, Peter. As Jesus washed his feet, Jesus already knew that in a matter of hours, Peter would deny even knowing Jesus three times. He washed Thomas's feet, who after he was resurrected, Thomas would doubt that Jesus really was who he said he was. And finally, verse two tells us that Judas was still there. And he already had in his heart his plans to betray Jesus. And as Jesus knelt and washed Judas's feet, loving Judas, Judas was going through his final plans of how he would turn Jesus over, betraying him to be tortured and to die. Jesus served his disciples because he loved his disciples. Where does the humility factor come in then? We see it when we look further down. We know from verse 3 that Jesus got up. But it doesn't just say Jesus rose from supper. It could have just said Jesus rose from supper and he washed the disciples' feet. No, the Holy Spirit-inspired word of God gives us some very critical qualifiers here. Look at what verse 3 says. It says, Jesus, what's going through his head when he gets up? says, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. Jesus knew his true identity. How can the King of kings and Lord of lords 
get his hands dirty and bend his knee before sinful men that he created because Jesus knew his true identity. He knew the authority that the Father had given him, the high place that that authority brought him to. He knew where he came from. He was the uncreated one there before the creation of the world. And he knew where he was going. First and foremost to the cross, but eventually to heaven to be glorified forever and always as King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus was freed up to lower himself because he knew his true identity. So how does the King of kings and Lord of lords get his hands dirty washing sinful men's feet? He does it because he knows those are the same hands that carry the full authority of God that was given to him by the Father. And how does Jesus bend both knees before the men that he created as the creator God? He can do that because he knows that someday every knee will bow on heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's how Jesus is freed up to humble service. Not because he thought low of himself. Oh, I'm just little old Jesus. I should do it. I'm low. No. He knew who he was. And so he was free to do anything he wanted. The lowest of the low before, below the lowest servant because he knew nothing he could do could change his true identity. He didn't care about his reputation in that moment because he saw a need and he was willing to humbly serve because he knew who he was. Jesus served humbly because he knew his true identity. Next, we'll see that Peter interjects. Peter has a misunderstanding, and fairly so, because as we just discussed, Peter's sitting there going, I know who this is before me that's coming down the line and washing feet, and I'm not gonna let the Jesus who I saw transfigured in glory, who I know is the Lord of Lords, I'm not letting him touch my feet. No, that is below Jesus. So Peter interjects, and I'm so glad he did. Because G Peter's misunderstanding leads us to understand something that we would have never seen if Peter didn't speak up. Look at verse 6 and read it with me all the way through to verse 12. It says, He, Jesus, came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. And that's why he said, not all of you are clean. So Peter interjects here, and he tries to stop Jesus, and we learn from Jesus that there's something happening here even deeper than Jesus just giving an example of humble service. Jesus set, looks at his disciples, and he says, actually, there's a part of what I'm doing now that you're not going to understand till way later, till after the cross, till after the open grave, because... While right now, when I'm here with you, I'm washing and cleansing your dirty feet. 
There will be a time not very long from now, we're just hours away from it, where I will go up on the cross. And I might not be face to face with each of you, but I will be thinking of each one of you. And I might not be washing your dirty feet with water, but my blood is going to pour out from that cross and it's going to wash over you. Not dirt, not mud, but the very sin that is so woven into our hearts that we could never wash away ourselves. Jesus on the cross poured out his blood for us. He says, this is just a foreshadowing of what's yet to come. This is not my ultimate act of humble service. Up on the cross, I, the suffering servant, will die in your place. Sadly, it was only 11 of the men present there who understood it. But the scriptures make clear that Judas never fully believed and didn't receive who Jesus was. So even though he left that night with clean feet, He didn't have a cleansed heart. And God makes it clear that the work on the cross will not be applied to every one of us. It is not a universal cleansing, but it is a cleansing that needs to be received through faith in Jesus. We end with verses 12 through 17. Jesus gets things back on track and reconnects to the present act that he's doing, the washing of the feet. Read this final section with me all the way through to verse 17. It says, When he, Jesus, had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. We learn from this passage that Jesus' call to humble service is very simple. He says, follow my example. Just as I have washed your feet, now you go and wash others' feet. Now, back in their day, would that include actual foot washing? I'm sure. And I'd like to think that these disciples never went another dinner with people sitting there with dirty feet because they had, washed, they had watched Jesus' example. But Jesus isn't just talking about foot washing. He's talking about whatever act in your time, in your place, puts you in that posture of humble service. He's asking the disciples not to just be in awe of what he's doing, but to turn around and live out his example here. He's saying, just as I've done, you go and do likewise. But he's not just leaving them with a command. He leaves them with a promise as well. We see in verse 17 that he says, if you know these things and then actually walk in them, if you do them, you will be blessed. What is that blessing? We're gonna talk a little bit about that when we apply this to our lives, but I like to think when Jesus was sitting there and thinking through the blessing that comes from humble service, as he's preparing for his ultimate act of humble service up on the cross, that he is sitting there in that room looking at his blessing that's about to come. I want to be clear, God didn't need us. He didn't save us because he was lonely or because he lacked it all. 
But as we shared, he saved us and serves us because he loves us. And Jesus is looking at his blessing right in front of him, getting to walk with these men, getting to be there and teach them, but also getting to be their Lord and Savior as he goes to the cross. There is blessing that comes on the other side of humble service. So what does this mean in our lives today? Well, I want to walk back through the passage very briefly here and just ask ourselves some important questions and we reflect on when, as we reflect on what happened with Jesus and the disciples in that upper room. Here's my first question. We learned that Jesus served because he loved. So do we love enough to humbly serve? Do you love your family enough to serve sacrificially in your home? Do you love this church family enough to give up your time and your energy to get plugged into a ministry here and pour out your gifts as an act of humble service? Do you love the lost enough to serve in your community and to serve throughout the world to open up doors to share the truth of Jesus by showing the love of Jesus through acts of humble service? If you don't today, that's your first step. A simple prayer, God, grow my love, whether that be for those closest to you or those farthest away, and God will answer that prayer. Next, we were reminded that Jesus served humbly out of an understanding of his true identity. So do you know your identity well enough to give you the freedom to humbly serve? Do you know where you came from a created, beloved child of God, and where you're going to eternal rest in the presence of God in a way that in the space between sets you up for a life of propelled, humble service every day of your life. I'll tell you, I've been watching humble service happen at this church over the last couple weeks. As we're gearing up for children's ministry in the fall, we've been needing to uh, repaint our children's area downstairs. And I've seen uh, one of our former heads of our elder board down there. I've seen a very well-regarded and sought-after doctor down there painting. I've seen a business owner who has been very successful and made lots of money. And these people know who they are. And it doesn't boast them up. It doesn't puff them up. It keeps them humble. And in humility, they serve. I don't think any of those people I just mentioned have kids or grandkids who are even in our programs right now. But they faithfully and humbly serve. If you're not there, I want you to ask yourself, does your identity free you to humbly serve? And if not, it's time for a realignment of your identity. Finally, just as Peter interjected into this story, I want to take a moment to interject here that if you have not received the benefits of the true and ultimate act of humble service, Jesus dying in our place, cleansing us of our sin on the cross, then this morning, this is the only question you need to ask yourself. Do you, have you received his cleansing? Because if you haven't, you could walk out the doors today just like Judas did when he left that night, not truly being cleansed by Jesus. It takes actual faith. And if you have more questions, I would love 
to talk with you after the service. As we looked at this final section here, we received a very clear call in the same way that the disciples did back then. Just as Jesus told them to go and do likewise, he says that to us. That message reverberates through the ages, and I hope you're hearing it today. So are you following his example of humble service? Are you following it in your home? Can I tell you, even though I talked about that young man who has no framework for what humble service looks like as a young dad and a young husband, can I tell you that this is an area I struggle with? I feel like I go to work, I serve all day, I work really hard, and when I get home at night, sometimes the last thing I wanna do is just keep serving. But when I remember what Jesus has done for me, the example he's given, and how he has given me an identity that empowers and frees me to keep serving, this is, this is my little trick. And if you want to use this, you can. I just think, I just got to do the next thing. In my home, when, when things are getting crazy, when I got three kids crying, when my wife's busy and needs my help, and I'm just dog-tired, exhausted, I just remind myself who I am in Christ. I remind myself of where I come from. I'm created by God. Where I'm going, eternal rest in heaven. And in those crazy stages of life, yes, of course we need rest. But when the call in the moment is humble service, I just focus on doing the next thing. As you think about this week, you might need to think about what's the next thing in your home. And what I love is, I didn't know how many kids were going to be here in this service because it's 8 o'clock. So uh, I see a couple of kids here, though, but I want to talk directly to you. I'm the children's pastor here, so I have a special heart for the children of our church. But I want to say you can serve in your home too. You can humbly serve. And not only will it bless your parents and your family, but it will also be funny because if you do stuff before they ask, they're going to be very shocked. They're going to love that. You can humbly serve like Jesus, whether that's cleaning your room or just listening to what they say. You can do this. I think when Jesus gave this example to people, you think, what, what, what? You're about to go die on the cross. That's the ultimate act of humble service. Why don't you just leave it at that? He wanted to leave us with something that's a picture of what we can do every single day. Humble ourselves, get low, and serve faithfully. So if you're not serving in your home and following his example in your home, I hope that that is the first step you take leaving today. We're also called and have an opportunity to serve humbly, follow Jesus' example here at Peace Church. You heard in the announcements, you heard from Pastor Daryl, you'll see as you walk out the door, we're trying our best to get as many volunteers as we can because the fall is coming and the kids' programs are coming back and the student programs are picking up and more and more people are gonna fill these seats and we need hospitality and we need parking people and we need so many hundreds of volunteers that follow Jesus' example of humble service. If you haven't found your place to plug in yet, going back to those tables or going to our website and looking for the team up stuff will get you where you need to go. We will help plug you in for humble service if you're struggling to follow his example here at your church. And finally, we need to follow Jesus' example out in the world. The lost will see Jesus when we humbly serve them. 
There is very little I've found that opens up more doors for gospel conversations than humbly serving those who don't know Jesus yet. As we think about this final verse, I want to think specifically about those outside our church, those outside the Christian faith who are not yet followers and disciples of Jesus. And I want to ask you here as a last question, are you missing out on the blessings of humble service? Yes, in your home, here in the church, but I think especially with those who don't know Jesus yet. If you are reading along uh, with the book that some of you are reading through for this series, Organic Disciples, you'll have read a story in the humble service section uh, about a young man named Doug. Now, if you don't know, that's actually my parents who wrote that book, so I kind of connect in a different way with some of these stories. But my dad shares the story of this young guy, Doug, and when my dad was a young teenager and Doug was a college student that he met. Now, keep in mind, this is 70s, 80s, so parenting was a little bit different back then. But Doug, as a Christian, was looking for ways to share the gospel, but was knowing that humble service would open up doors and opportunities to do that. So he offered to my dad, who was very far from Christ, grew up in a home where he didn't hear anything about the gospel, he offered to him to give him rides any time he needed them. And as I was reading that story, and I've heard it over the years, this was the first time I thought about Doug, this red-haired, afroed college student who so graciously and so humbly served my dad so long ago. And thinking about Doug and thinking about my own kids, I connected for the first time that by that act of humble service, it wasn't just my dad who had an open door to hear the gospel and to meet Jesus, but he then raised his kids, me being one of them, to know and follow and love Jesus. And now I'm doing the same with my kids. And my dad was actually able to share with his dad before he passed the good news of Jesus. And there are four generations of disciples of Jesus from this one simple act where Doug served humbly and it opened up opportunities for on their rides for him to share the gospel of Jesus. Now, that being fresh in my mind, I decided to do something kind of weird. I called my dad and I said, what's that Doug guy's last name? So I looked him up online. I found him. I found where he worked. I called it. I asked if I could speak to Doug. They connected me. And here I am on the phone with this guy. And I think he was a little startled. To be fair, he was at work. And so I said, hey, my name's Nate. My dad was Kevin. I don't know if you remember, but uh, I, and I told him, sir, and I just said, thank you so much. My kid's are learning about Jesus because partially because of a decision you made. Now, we know, of course, it's all the sovereignty of God who works this out, but we partner with God in, in our decisions every day, and that decision he made to humbly serve opened up the opportunity for my family for generations to know and follow and be saved by Jesus. Well, just about two days ago, I got a little thank you card from Doug in the mail, and I want you to hear it while you're thinking about the question, are you missing out on the blessings of humble service? It just says this. It says, Nate, I wanted to thank you for your call the other day. You don't know how blessed I was. To hear you share a bit of your life that was affected by the Lord using me was beyond wonderful. I cannot express the joy and encouragement it was. Thank you, Doug.
little decisions we make every day to humbly serve may seem burdensome in the moment, but Jesus promises us blessing on the other side. I think one of the richest blessings in the same way Jesus was blessed by knowing these disciples would be with him for eternity in the same way our participation in the mission of God and seeing gospel fruit come from the open doors that are opened through our humble service. I don't know if there's any greater blessing in the world. So I'll ask you one more time, are you missing out on the blessings that come when you follow Jesus' example of humble service? Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we have looked at your word. We have seen your example. We have seen how you loved your disciples, and we know that you love us today. We've seen how you held on to your true identity and that even though you are the name that should be lifted above every name, you willingly lowered yourself down to humbly serve the undeserving. God, we know that your ultimate act of humble service is our cleansing, and we are grateful once again for that today. And Lord, you have called us to follow your example of humble service. And my prayer is that for each one of us in this room, no matter how young, no matter how old, would remember that up until the last moments of your life, God, you faithfully and humbly served those that you loved, even those who didn't believe in you. God, I pray by your spirit, by your power, and through your grace that we would do the same. God, make Peace Church a people of humble service and make each one of us humble servants that reflect your heart of love and reflect your identity and confidence in who you have made us to be. We love you, God. We pray this week you would use our hands and use our feet. And now as we stand to worship you, God, we pray you would receive all the glory and honor that you're due. There was humiliation on the cross, but you saw through to the other side. And God, receive the blessing of our worship now. We love you, Jesus. And we pray this in your holy name. Amen.